Hello, hello, hello. The bell has rung, and welcome once again to the Dr. Digital Podcast. Another great episode coming your way. Thanks for listening in. Let's get started. Chapter 14, Deborah's Boy. You have your wife to thank for that. She is the gift that keeps on giving. We shook hands and then parted so I could update Deborah. I called Deborah back. Yes, whatever the court orders, that's what I meant. Of course, one more thing. When do I see Katrin? It's Anne's vacation, Deborah responded. But it's been nearly two weeks with no contact, no callbacks, no messages, much less even seeing her. Anne has to be back in town because Kitchen's psych evaluation is scheduled for tomorrow. For all three of you. If Anne shows with Katrin, that will be the first we have had contact in two weeks. This was supposed to be a vacation, but last time Katrin told me she was babysat by an 11-year-old. Anne has been ordered to be there by the court. Bill is not likely to let her snub a court-appointed psychiatrist. Okay, if you say so. Do you have all the required documentation? Yes, I faxed them. Look, the court agreed to order the second psychological evaluator. He is a licensed Pennsylvania psychiatrist who has a Ph.D. from the University of Pennsylvania. Deborah? Yes. Have you ever done sales? You smartass. The last flunky had the same qualifications. Look, I also included Anne's handwritten letter from therapy regarding her mother. Excellent. Anne's issues with her mother may provide an insight into how she parented, Deborah stated. Yeah, I thought so too. Look, Deborah, after Kitchen's evaluation comes in, what can we do about Anne's behavior? Does she appear sensible? Like what? I mean, using a physician to force your husband to get an MRI while you're holding the kid out of state. Deborah chuckled. Sounds pretty volatile in the hands of an effective attorney. I knew you would see this. If this matter goes to court, these folks are witnesses. Okay, then, how about this notion of Munchausen's? I mean, we have had the false illnesses all along. What do you mean? Anne wanted Katrin's tonsils removed last summer. Paul, seriously, lots of kids have their tonsils removed. No, not with her history. If Katrin does not have a recurrent sore throat, recurrent ear infections, or problems with her breathing at night, there really is no reason that I can think of them for to come out. True, this happens for adults as well. Right. In adults, the things to worry about are lymphoma and cancer, exceedingly rare in kids, and cancer occurs in long-time smokers. I doubt Katrin smokes more than a pack a day. Paul, sometimes I wonder why I take your calls. That's because you need more entertainment in your life. Munchausen syndrome is well known enough where the patient makes up a bunch of illnesses and seeks treatment. They get, in return, pity and support that they feel is lacking in their lives. We do know, though, that although we have had no details, Anne has had confirmed medical treatments. Do you think they are false? Possibly. Patients routinely con doctors into doing numerous unnecessary procedures. The classical physical finding on exam is the so-called tic-tac-toe syndrome from having too much surgery. But there is also a Munchausen's by proxy syndrome where a parent will have a child subjected to numerous medical exams and procedures. I've seen this, Deborah commented. With this syndrome, people elicit two main benefits, support and empathy from those around them and the public realization that you're such a good parent, look at all the times you've helped your child by getting them to the doctor. Does Anne strike you like the type that needs to get lots of attention? Deborah guffawed. Does the Pope wear a funny hat? Who suggested Munchausen's? My cousin, who is a physician. On that point, I just spoke with Dr. Kitchen and expressed our concerns. 
He says it piqued his memory, and he's going back to check his report on these issues. Thanks. Maybe we hit on something. But your point about counseling, therapists have to butt out. Maple pointed you to therapy sessions, which was backed up by the court, and until Kitchen says they are unnecessary, you go. This will not sit well with the court. Okay, but if I've attended in accordance with the order and the psych's opinion questions why I'm there after 20 sessions, at some point, shouldn't we revisit the issue? The psychs discussed my psychological health with Kitchen, and neither he nor she found anything that was alarming to them. Sit tight. Do what you're supposed to do. I hope there are more changes in this new evaluation. Katrin and I have got a lot riding on his recommendation. Sit tight. I recorded Katrin, which provides her account of the fall in the snow incident. You need to hear this because it is very damaging for Anne's account. Katrin states that I did not push her mom. Mom pulled her book bag and hurt her. Mom pushed me. Mom made the story up. Drop it for now. Maybe this can be dropped, but I played the Pet Tales tape, a conversation Katrin and I had in my head, too. I don't like jaguars, Katrin said, and as she did so, she avoided my direct gaze. Of course you do. No, really, I don't. She looked up to gauge my reaction. But my angel, once you are a veterinarian, you have to like all animals. Animals I love. And as she said this, I noticed how she lovingly strokes her black velvet horse. I don't get it then. But she handed me a note, which I glanced over and read. Mommy talks late at night with the jaguar man. Mommy listens to him. I feel scared around him. Mommy goes upstairs to visit her friends. She takes Jaguar home in his car. I'm alone in the apartment. I begin to understand. Mom drives her friend home. Caitlin looked directly in my eyes. Oh, I see. And I return her gaze determined not to overreact. I learn how to prepare for anything she says. I don't like being alone, she said while putting her horse down on the old chair left behind in the living room. I understand. He has a Jaguar. Yes, but Ms. Selena needed it. So Mom took him home? I lightly touched her right shoulder, but didn't want to press. I sensed she had more to say. She did. Yes, I don't think I'm supposed to see David's private parts, Katrin finished. I hear Katrin's words as if she is telling me over and again. I wondered how long Deborah is waiting while the memory raced through my head. And the pet tales tape? I asked Deborah. Look, Paul, I'll listen to the tape, perhaps, but courts often think recordings are staged. There is no time for distractions. In the meantime, fax me Anne's letter to her mom, and I'm not sure about the note from your colleague. I'm not sure about her as a reference. Why are you snickering? I had to snicker. Introducing Aquila Norzad earlier in our team taught issues in the contemporary Islamic world class was a trip. Some students stared at her Tajiki, white-beaded shoes. Others more directly sniffed derisively. I didn't know much about Afghan fashion, but then again, Soviets had not killed my father and my baby sister before my eyes when they invaded my country in 1979. I concluded my lecture. My perspective will be to develop the idea that Islamic attacks will proliferate and increase in intensity against the West. Dr. Norzad, as a University of London-trained psychiatrist, will enunciate an alternative view. Islam progressively will adopt modern ways. I'm asking my colleague tonight when her band plays. Band? 
Imagine if the kids knew she was in a band. Would she be cool then? Yes, she's the lead singer in a Takwakor band, Muslim punk. They are called Abadabad. Sounds like the patriarch Abraham would be thrilled. Thank you. Oh yes, one more thing. I forgive you for being a jerk. Thank you, your beneficence. You're quite the kidder. Anne's handwritten letter to her mom read as follows. Dear Mom, I know you're 75 years old and may not want to hear this, but I'm disgusted with you. How could you even consider asking me to forgive and forget Craig for the devastation and emotional problems he's caused for so many years? He's some pedophile who happens to marry your daughter while I'm your own flesh and blood child. You conceived me, carried me, and cared for me through many important times. How could you even think of him? I had chores to do, and Saturday a.m. I couldn't even watch one cartoon. I had chores to do before school, and when I got home, I got punished for things I did and things I didn't do. I stole money, lied, and did everything I could to fit in somehow. I've been very blessed with terrific, supportive friends and a great and supportive husband. She would never compromise it was her way or the highway. I'm not sure if I love my mother or just tolerate her. I pity my sister for staying with Craig and will be praying for her to gain the strength and knowledge she needs to rid her of that parasite. I always thought I had to be older than I was, have a boyfriend, kiss, be sexual. I could never be a kid or enjoy my life. After he sexually abused me on more than one occasion, I am angry, hurt, and confused by your actions. Why so forgiving? And why would you take his side and even let him in your home? He is no one to you except the spouse. She could have married anyone. I deserve more caring, respect, and credit. Anne. I faxed the letter to Deborah. Anne's letter to her mom looks like, or at least she believed, she got a bum deal during her childhood. Hey, you can't go in there. I'm on the guest list. Paul Theus, got me? Uh, Theus, Theus, he said, looking over his list. Oh, yeah, okay, the show's just about over, though. That's okay. I have all the entertainment I need in my life. I made it just in time to catch the tail end of Dr. Norzad's set at the Theater of Living Arts on South Street. The doorman stopped me at the door in the back alley as the band wrapped up its encore, the Mata Hoople version of Lou Reed's Sweet Jane, saying, Some people like to go out dancing, other people they got to work, and there's always some evil mothers. I tell you, life is just full of dirt. And the women never really faint, and the villains always blink their eyes. And children are the only ones that blush, and that life is just to die. Great set, Aquila, I said when I caught Dr. Northside backstage. Thanks, you had an update on Katrin, you said? And she reverently wiped herself off with a hand towel. I've been pretty much cut off from Katrin other than when I have physical contact. One of the band members threw a guitar pick at Dr. Aquila, which she deftly parried with her free hand. There were days when, apart from my kids, that I couldn't get off the floor, and she collapsed in one of those retro 70s plastic blow-up seats. I have to consider a contempt petition for the no-contact issue. I sat down on a handy milk carton seat. This is a trying time, especially for Katrin. The first communion ritual is a great comfort to her. Then things are improving? Katrin laid another bombshell on me. Yes? Katrin is scared when alone in her mom's apartment. That is bad, of course. It gets worse. She advises that she does not think it's right, at her age, to see mom's boyfriend and her mom butt naked. She told you that? 
Katrin doesn't like seeing the man's private parts when he and her mom are in bed together. What does Anne tell Katrin? Her mom tells her to go back to bed. What is Katrin's reaction? She doesn't think she should see things like that until maybe I'm 21 or so, and then probably it's all right. This is severe. The little backstage room began to feel stuffy with so many hangers-on after the show, not to mention too cramped to have a private confession. Katrin says she is shocked. Be really, really low-key in your reaction because Katrin already knows it's wrong. Dr. Norzad reached into her immaculately pressed karita, a formal Afghan dress formally draped on a makeshift clothes rack. I understand that there is no need to get overly emotional about it, but of course I wonder how I can end this. She handed me an envelope retrieved from her dress. Here's my reference letter. I hope this helps. I read her letter quickly. Gerard Kitchen, Ph.D., 14 East Prussia Town Pike, Pilgrim Conference, PA, 19624. Dear Dr. Kitchen, I was appointed a professor in September 1999, and that fall I've met Dr. Paul Theus at a midweek ecumenical service sponsored by the Newman Club. Following the service, I had the chance to speak with him personally. From the moment I met Dr. Theus, I was struck by his gentle nature and could also tell he was in the midst of a painful situation. We made plans to get together to speak privately. Dr. Theus described his current state of affairs, that he was separated and that his daughter, Katrin, was largely under the custody of her mother. He shared his reasons for concern about this custody, custody arrangement, and, based on what I heard, I would have been concerned as well. He told his story without rancor or bitterness, which was important to me. As a trained psychiatrist, I hear many stories of family brokenness with the light slanted toward the storyteller. There is a strong air of believability in what I heard. Over the course of the next few months, we spoke many times, and I have had the chance to be with Katrin on several occasions. It is clear to me that father and daughter have a very close relationship, and that Katrin would prefer to be with her father on a full-time basis. As a licensed psychological professional, I believe that Katrin is the most important person in Dr. Theus's life, and that there is a very strong emotional connection between them. I cannot say that I found him to be emotionally dependent upon her. By that I mean that Dr. Theus does not appear to look to her to support his emotional needs or to validate him as a person. It is clear to me that the time spent in separation intensifies as their sense of connection when together. That seems understandable and not an unhealthy thing, but I do understand that the line could be easily crossed. What I do see is a father who is deeply pained by a situation in which he believes his daughter's physical, spiritual, and emotional needs are not being met. I also see a father who is prepared to do all he can to nurture and support his daughter. I thank you for your consideration in this matter and offer myself in any way that is helpful. Faithfully, Aquila, Dr. Aquila Norzad, Professor of Modern Islamic Studies. Folding up the letter, Dr. Aquila said, You vote, huh, Paul? The good doctor wrote a great letter. I was greatly encouraged that a trained psychiatrist would advise a course of action that best suited Catron's interest. Of course I do. I knew a guy in high school. Good memories? I guess. Wayne was a laid-back surfer, drove a van, long, blonde, streaked hair, a bit of a partier. Nothing bothered him. Aquila's deep-set eyes and thoughtful expression indicated how intensely she listens. And... You remember Nixon? Who could forget Tricky Dick and Watergate, Roe v. Wade, 
Vietnam, Russia, and Red China. Right. Anyway, when Watergate hit, Wayne followed it with a passion. He got really motivated. Wouldn't stop talking about it. I didn't know what the fuss was about. We worked at my first job together in high school, and darn, he would never turn the radio off, and Watergate was all over the news. But since this was in California, the annual fires were raging in the hills really badly that year. That set you off? The fires, the burning, and Wayne obsessed with Watergate. Politics. That triggered your passion for politics? I don't know. I think you may. I was worried about the fires. Our family had land up there. What do you remember? I had a dream about the fires, the burning. Did you put them out? Did you stop the burning? Did you think you could make it right? Did you think you would sleep? I'm not sure. Maybe. The past is prologue. Blessings, Paul. I thanked Dr. Norzad for her letter, climbed into the car, tears streaming down my face, and I am on my way. I took Deborah's call at home to prepare for kitchen once she reviewed the letters. While picking up the phone, a flashing red light danced off the plastic handle. I looked out my back window at the neighboring yards, the halts. Deborah said, What's wrong? You seem distracted. No, it's nothing, I guess. There's just an ambulance next door at my neighbor's. They're elderly. Perhaps one of them needed to go to the hospital. Oh, I hope they're all right. Like you know what is going on? Call me when you're back from Kitchens. Okay. Kitchens' office is in a historic building in Pilgrim Conference, where the Quakers found peace in pre-colonial Pennsylvania. His office could be found in the back, where you had to stoop down to get in the door. Well, at least I did. Not too many people were over six feet in those days. You can wait here, Dr. Thies. The receptionist told me that a doctor will be with you in a moment. In fact, his office door opened just then, so I turned to face Kitchen. Kitchen had a full head of white hair. He looked grandfatherly and wise. He had piercing blue eyes. In fact, he resembled Paul Newman aging gracefully. No worry. Kitchen is Deborah's boy, so I felt comfortable. Is Mrs. Theus here yet? Kitchen asked his receptionist. She is not here yet, doctor. All right, let me know when she is here with the child so I can interview them. And with that, Kitchen returned to his office. Once I heard a car outside, I peered out the tiny historic porthole window to see Katrin excitingly looking out the car window. She flashed me the I love you hand signal. She popped out of the car once it stopped and she waited by the car for Anne, but I could see her bursting with exuberance. Dad, Dad, look, I got stickers. I got a medal. Katrin exclaimed, bursting through Kitchen's office door. I missed you, she said, jumping into me, so much so that I had to pick her up or fall over. Anne busied herself with paperwork for the secretary. I had Katrin tucked into my lap. She did not want to let go. I sat on the floor as she got too heavy. I've been on vacation, and we went to an amusement park, and there were lots of rides, and we'd been house-sitting. Anne said nothing but sulked in the foyer next door. I heard her flipping through a magazine. Oh, you have? That sounds fun. What park did you go to? I don't remember. I just know we got a whole bunch of chocolate. Then we went house-sit at Miss Hout's house. Chocolate? The Hout's? Well, the chocolate park is Hershey. That explains all the candy. So you've been at the Hout's? House-sitting? Katrin stayed in my lap, hugging me. Yes, they went out of town, so Mommy and I have been there. I fumed, but said nothing. The house lived across the street from Selena and was vacationing with Katrin at the house and their backyard was adjacent to mine. I had not seen or talked to Katrin for two weeks, 
although she was living about 70, 70 feet away. Katrin whispered in my ear, When can I come home, Daddy? I'm not sure, sweetheart. Let's see how things go today. Katrin furtively glanced over at Anne. Daddy, I want to tell Dr. Kitchen everything. I want us to be happy again. I was just about to ask Katrin if she saw the ambulance at the house, but I felt a presence to my left. Kitchen stood there frowning while I cradled Katrin on the floor. You two ready? Mr. Theus, if you would be so kind, follow me, and since I've already interviewed Anne, finally, I'll see Katrin, Kitchen said. Katrin released me without clinging. I didn't need to say anything to her about letting me go. Once his office door was latched, it had one of those heavy, bolted, black historic locks. I wonder what Katrin's family's sketch was all about and whether it spoke psychological volumes to Kitchen. I took Kitchen's psychological battery of tests, the Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Inventory, Rotter Incomplete Sentences Blank, Rorschach Inkblot Technique, Parents Questionnaire, and the Behavior Assessment for Children. The interview seemed pretty standard. I said exactly what Deborah coached me to say, and I felt vindicated by the answers. He set me down in an office, away from Anne, and I waited for Catron's ordeal to be over. After 45 minutes, Kitchen came out of his office with a paper in his hand, and he got us in an awkward moment in the lobby. Anne appeared agitated when she saw that Kitchen held something in his hand. She grabbed a picture that Catron must have just drawn in session. The picture got slightly crumpled paper when Anne snagged it from Dr. Kitchen's hand. Mrs. Theus, I do need that back. Catron drew it in session, and it is evidence. Good thing I'm not a shrink. I caught a glimpse of her family portrait. Catron's picture portrayed a smiling Anne to the left of the picture. She had drawn herself as smiling, apart from Anne to the right, but most strikingly, I cradled Catron in my arms and I was holding her as an infant. Anne sullenly passed the picture back to Kitchen. I felt better than I had since forever. The next opportunity to see Catron came two weeks later. Daddy, Dr. Kitchen says you can pick me up from school on Fridays. How do you know that? Ms. Selena told me. From Dr. Kitchen's evaluation? Mommy got it? I think so. A big envelope came in the mail. Mommy got all excited. Let me check your homework, baby, I said, boiling inside. But I just made dinner, and of course, my weekly parenting was almost over already. Daddy, do movies go to school? Katrin interjected while playing with her asparagus. She dangled the green on her fork and watched my reaction. No, of course movies don't go to school. Miss Selena says a movie gets a B, but I say Katrin gets all A's. Katrin laughed at her pun. Katrin better get all A's or no ice cream or treats for her. Finish up, my star. Mama will be here soon. I wonder how the devil a B-movie reference came to Katrin. Sure enough, we heard Anne's blaring horn. She parked on the lawn again, honking for Katrin, and so off they went for Katrin to be dropped off at Selena's. I called Deborah right away. Deborah, this is what I paid $7,275 for? I have not read the evaluation yet. Fine, I can save you the trouble. Katrin already told me its contents. That's regrettable. I can't fathom this at all. I told Kitchen what you coached me to say. I understand that your other clients see their kids more than I do every other weekend and once during the week. I cannot get them all, but yes, some. 
Why does Kitchen just follow Maple's old recommendations and the former court order to the letter? The judge does not have to follow any psych recommendation. Initially, Anne's own handwritten note only asked for partial guardianship, yet the therapists in the courts hand her a clean sweep. Kids, access, assets, more income for not working, and no debt. Katrin loses her birth home, a loving parent, doting grandparents because Katrin is the only grandchild to my parents. But Katrin has legitimate needs and is showing up with accidents. The professionals seem to be looking the other way. Why is Anne's position so unassailable? Keep in mind the judge does not have to follow the recommendation. I will get the report and call Kitchen myself. Anne can't plead poverty when she is making 43000 a year. For God's sake, I'm no grade B movie star. What the hell is Kitchen talking about? I'll get back to you. Yeah, you do that. Click. Kitchen's evaluation floored me in the mail. He states, Mr. Theus held Katrin without saying very much and in a manner that was overly intense, serious, and emotional. This examiner was struck by the intensity of this display and the inappropriateness in terms of the degree to which it occurred and how that intensity tended to cross the usual parent-child boundary. It resembled more the interaction between an adult man and woman in a grade B movie than it did the usual manner in which a parent relates to a child. Mr. Theus thus reverses the parent-child relationship and places a considerable burden on Katrin. Nevertheless, Katrin was able to separate easily to come with this interviewer. Mr. Theus is unduly influential on Katrin. While in private session with me, Katrin drew a picture of the Theus family with Mr. Theus holding her as a baby. Her portrait is indicative of how intense an influence Mr. Theus holds for her. On the other hand, Sometimes Katrin feels scared in a room at her mother's apartment because it is a big room and it is dark. She does not have the same feeling at her father's. She indicates that it makes her mad that she doesn't see her dad that much because she misses him. She perceives that her mother wants her not to see her dad as much. She indicates that when she leaves messages for her father, he does call back every day, but that she doesn't always get to talk to him. Katrin says she thinks her mother erases the messages. She verbalized that she wanted to see her dad more. She does see her father as more expressive of positive feelings about her than her mother. She says her father thinks that she is the best kid ever and is always telling everybody that. She is not sure what her mother thinks because, Katrin says, she never tells me. This examiner explored with her whether either parent told her to say to either me or to the judge that she wanted to live with one. She indicated that she was apprehensive knowing that question was coming, and she then indicated her dad said, he won't be mad if I pick my mom. She then said, I know who, my dad, because he said if he needs a babysitter, I can go to my mom. It is clear that she continues to have divided loyalties between her parents, not wanting to side with either of them, and also has a continuing need to perceive the family as a unit. She would feel better if her mother didn't leave her alone in the apartment because she gets really scared. She indicates that her mother leaves her alone if she has to drive someone home and she is left all alone in her mother's bed while she is crying. This examiner asked her what she would do if she needed help. She indicates she would usually go out and try to find her mother. She would do this by checking with neighbors. This examiner's opinion is that Katrin can be left alone when her mother goes away and informs Katrin where she will be or gives her a phone number.
However, it is obvious that Catron finds this frightening, and it certainly should not go beyond that. It also appears from her recitation that her mother does some things that upset her, such as leaving her alone, but this examiner has already addressed that issue above. It is clear that the father has communicated some things to Catron, such as his own distress when he did not know where she was, that have not been appropriate. For example, Mr. Theus inappropriately worried Catron after her mother took an out-of-state trip. He should not lean emotionally on Catron. I note with approval that a supporting letter came from John Manfrey, DVM, regarding Anne's support for Catron with animals and pets. Dr. Manfrey indicates that he wishes more parents would take the time to teach their children the importance of animals in their lives, as well as Mrs. Theus has done. On the other hand, Anne noted that Mr. Theus got Catron a cat, Red, but then he gave Catron's pet away because Catron did not live with him full time. It is my recommendation, therefore, that the current visitation arrangement be maintained. To accommodate Catron's need for more time with his father, her father, his every other weekend should be extended that it goes from Friday night until Monday morning when he returned to school or whatever summer program she may be in. Mr. Theus attended the group therapy of Janet Koshkioshko, and the primary theme he expressed in the group was his love for Catron. Paul reported the lack of a cooperative spirit on Mrs. Theus's part and her partners in a number of matters regarding Catron's care. Mr. Theus was particularly disturbed that he was available to have Catron with him, yet her mother would leave Catron with a friend rather than allowing her to be with her father. I conducted an interview with Mrs. Koshkioshko to confirm that Mr. Theus talked about Catron all the time and was completely focused on her. Ms. Koshkioshko indicated that they tried to move him off that subject and on to dealing with certain issues by himself, but he could not do so. He had no insight into himself, was often oblivious of the impact of his behavior, and did not take feedback very well. He was very intense. This is Mick, the Doctor of Digital, signing off. Mick, as in Jagger, except he's got more money. Mick, the Doctor of Digital, signing off. The Doctor of Digital, like cotton candy for your ears, Deus Volt.